I invite you to continue worshiping by standing as I read the gospel account this morning. We stand when we read the gospel to remember that Jesus Christ rose from the dead. That's our story today from Luke chapter 24, verses 1 through 12. But on the first day of the week, at early dawn, they came to the tomb taking the spices that they had prepared. They found the stone rolled away from the tomb, but when they went in, they did not find the body. While they were perplexed about this, suddenly two men in dazzling clothes stood beside them. The women were terrified and bowed their faces to the ground, but the men said to them, why do you look for the living among the dead? He is here. He is not here, but has risen. Remember how he told you while he was still in Galilee that the Son of Man must be handed over to sinners and be crucified and on the third day rise again. Then they remembered his words. And returning from the tomb, they told all this to the eleven and to all the rest. Now it was Mary Magdalene, Joanna, Mary, the mother of James, and the other women with them who told this to the apostles. But these words seemed to them an idle tale, and they did not believe them. But Peter got up and ran to the tomb, stooping and looking in. He saw the linen cloths by themselves. Then he went home, amazed at what had happened. This is the gospel of our Lord. Praise, Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. Good morning, church. He is risen, and he is risen indeed. Ah, I just wish you were here in person so we could exchange that greeting. It kind of doesn't feel like an, a full Easter unless I can hear that response from each other live. But I'm thankful that we are together in this way. And that greeting, he is risen, and he is risen indeed, is traditional, but it's also maybe comforting to you in that. But I also want us to recognize this morning that he is risen indeed. These are powerful words that we radiate out by faith into the world. Now, as one who came to faith later, I remember hearing the story of Christ's resurrection and appreciating that it was important, but I also didn't really know how to receive it or live it or even talk about it with others. And it's until I really looked more deeply in the scriptures and saw how it fits into God's larger story. So that's what I want to do with us this morning. Take a fresh look at the story of resurrection and how it fits into God's bigger story and an invitation that he's giving us to live in eternal life. Now, maybe for you, the relationship of the cross to the tomb is one that we're still exploring. For many of us, we might see that the story of resurrection is the punctuation of Jesus' ministry. In that sense, it validates who he is. He isn't here, the angel said, just as he told us. Resurrection then affirms who Jesus is and what he's done on the cross, which most of us hold as central, maybe for others. The resurrection serves as a different function of Christ's work. On the cross, he defeats sin. At the empty tomb, he defeats death. However, the scriptures give us a much more amplified perspective of the resurrection as Paul wrote in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, resurrection is a central component of the gospel. Christ has died, according to the scriptures. Christ was raised from the dead by the power of God, and he appeared to the apostles. Paul goes on to say in that same chapter in verse 14 that if Christ has not been raised, then what we preach is in vain, 
It's empty. And even more chilling, he says, if Christ has not been raised, then our faith is in vain. This means that everything that we preach, everything that we worship about God throughout the rest of the year must radiate from this day, looking at the empty tomb and declaring, Christ is risen indeed. So this morning, what I want to do is work back to that story that we heard from Luke's gospel, listening for fresh clues that the resurrection is intended to serve for us as an invitation to be part of a new creation that God is forming. The resurrection shows us that indeed God's kingdom has come and there is a new creation that he's inviting us into by the gift of faith. So if you can hear me this morning, again, we want to look back at the story in Luke chapter 24. Maybe you came to church this morning in your living room or wherever you may be and you don't have your Bible with you. This is a chance for you to go get it because I think that Looking at God's word is maybe the closest many of us will get to peering into the empty tomb. And so please, if you have God's word near you, uh, pick it up, take a look at it, turn to Luke chapter 24. We're going to work through the story again and and listen fresh for how God is using this to invite us into his story. Let me pray. Father, we thank you for this resurrection morning, the promise that God, you have risen indeed. We stand here, Lord, amazed. Lord, continue to stir our hearts by your word, by your Holy Spirit. Bind us across the miles, Lord, that we'd be together as one, learning and growing and how to know and live and even share this great story of resurrection. That's a work that I cannot do. So I ask you, Holy Spirit, to fill in all the gaps. Lead us today, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, hopefully you have your Bibles in hand. Look at Luke chapter 24, verse 1. It tells us on the very first day of the week, at the early dawn, the women came to the tomb taking the spices that they had prepared. Now, this setting is important. The idea that this is the first day of the week at an early dawn. It tells us that light has come into the darkness. This shades us back to the very dawning of the first day of creation. The scripture does that often. It gives us points in in the narrative that point us back to other parts in scripture. But this idea of the first day of the week and the early dawn tells us that God is doing something new. He's inviting us into a new creation. The resurrection of Jesus, this changes everything. The story continues in verse 2. The women, they found the stone had been rolled away from the tomb. And when they went in, they did not find the body. The stone had been rolled away. Now, keep in mind, this would have been a very large disc-shaped stone. Uh, It was also a legal statement. It might even have had a stamp on it from from the government. Basically, a 100 to maybe 70-pound keep-out sign. How would these women ever have rolled this thing away by themselves? Reminds me again back to the old story. In Genesis chapter 3, after the fall, we read how in the wake of sin, the entrance to the garden where we once had friendship with God is now blocked. But do you see now the stone that leads towards restoration with God has been rolled away? There are no barriers that stand between us and knowing God's great love 
In the Passion story, the curtain has been torn, the stone has been rolled away, the dead are raised. And how we come to know God is changed. We enter by faith now. And faith is a gift that God freely offers to everyone without barrier. All are invited, Jew and Gentile, male and female, slave and free, all are invited to look and see and find the love of God shown in Christ Jesus. Faith is a gift that God freely offers to everyone without barrier. If only we would turn from our pride and accept it. As the story goes on, we continue. While the women were staring and marveling, it says in verse 4, they were perplexed about this. Suddenly there were two men in dazzling clothes standing behind them. And these two men in dazzling clothes may be why we still have the instinct to dress up nicely for Easter. And they ask. The women are so terrified, they bow their heads to the ground. But the men ask them, why? Why do you look? for the living among the dead. See, in the old story, and there, in a garden of life, sin and death were found. But in this garden of tombs, the women, they find new life. But my friends, this question that these Impressive figures asked, still lingers in the air today. Are we still seeking life in the place of the dead? Being obvious, today is one of those moments where we are separated, but also united with all the world. This virus has united us all in the understanding of the weakness of our mortal bodies. And so we shelter in place, we hide our face because we resist the pull of death. We want to lengthen our days. We don't want to suffer. And maybe more importantly, we don't want to cause others to suffer and maybe pass. But I have to ask you, friends, when this virus is passed over us, what then? Will we all go back to being immortal? You see, the tomb, the empty tomb, is where we see the life we live in Christ is changed. Death is defeated. Eternal life then is ours by that gift of faith. But this world is passing away. In 1 John chapter 2, 16 and 17, it tells us the world and its desires are passing away. But those who do the will of God will live forever. The empty tomb shows us that Christ has defeated death as the last enemy. And this, friends, changes everything. As our story goes on, the angelic figures again speaking to the women say, Don't you remember what he told you? While he was still in Galilee, the Son of Man must be handed over to sinners and be crucified. On the third day he will rise again. And they remembered his words. They remembered his words. Don't you remember what he told you, they said. And they remembered his words. 
What an amazing reversal of the story of the fall, where God's words were questioned and twisted, forgotten. The woman fell into deception, and she took that to the man, and together they fell into sin, which is sin that we still bear today. But here, in a reversal of that story, the women instantly grasp, remembering the good news. Looking into the empty tomb, they remember Christ's words. And in their excitement, they go and share this new story with the men who actually aren't sure until they come and see for themselves. It tells us the name of the women, Mary Magdalene, Joanna, Mary, the mother of James, and the other women who were there who told this to the apostles. But their words seemed to the apostles like an idle tale, and they didn't believe them. But then Peter got up and ran the .75 of a mile to the tomb, stooping and looking in and seeing for himself. He saw the linen cloths laying there, and he went home amazed at what he had seen, at what had happened. That's the impact that this story of resurrection is intended to have. It's overwhelming, and it overflows. We must tell others. The idea that Christ is risen and Christ is risen indeed is a good news that must be declared. It must be told again. So with this good news of our risen Lord, the story that we share is changed. And we see this whenever someone accepts the good news and finds new life in Christ, whenever someone comes to trust the promises of his word, If for you too, hearing my voice this morning, he is risen indeed, radiates out of your heart, then we share in the call to proclaim this good news. Easter Sunday morning, one of the things that I like to do before I come into church is is take a pre-dawn run. I like to be out in, in the streets when the sun comes up at dawn, that breaking of the light into the darkness. Even though it was about 6.15 this morning, I just, ugh, had to hold myself from shouting into the streets, He is risen! He is risen indeed! My neighbors would have loved it. But we see this call to share this news as Jesus continued after the resurrection, telling him this story of repentance and forgiveness of sin must be proclaimed, and you are my witnesses of these things. Remember his words and know this. As surely as he said he was to be raised, he said he is to return. And this, too, is a good news that changes everything. My friends, the resurrection of Jesus is God's invitation for us to experience new creation and receive eternal life by faith, which is a gift God offers to everyone without barrier. So this Easter morning, I'm reminded again of that promise in Scripture that if anyone is in Christ, there is a new creation. The old is past, and something new has begun. Have you accepted the gift of faith that God so freely offers? Or are you still seeking life from among the dead? Jesus told us whoever loves their life here will lose it. But whoever rejects this life for a new one in him will keep it for eternity. Have you put all of your trust in Jesus? 
knowing that he died for you, for your sin. And by the power of God, he has risen indeed. And that is the same power that raised him from the dead that is now at work in you and me, bringing us into new life. So today, if you have come to this place and you haven't yet begun your new story, let's just take a moment and pray together before we go on with the rest of the service, responding to that great story of resurrection. Pray with me, echoing these words from your heart and maybe your mouth. We pray, thank you, God, for freely offering me the gift of faith. I receive it now. I repent my old way. I accept your forgiveness. Thank you, Jesus, for giving your life for my sin and for being raised so that I can have eternal life. Risen Jesus, you are my Lord and my God. Fill me with your word. Lead me to tell others your good news. This I pray in your name. Now maybe if that's a prayer that is fresh in your heart this morning. God is doing a work in you, inviting you to receive eternal life. We would love for you to reach out and tell us, tell friends so we can celebrate and encourage you. Now, for all of us, though, that share already in this good news that Christ is risen indeed, this is really just the beginning. Next week and for the next several weeks, we're going to begin a new series called The Resurrection and the Life. And we're going to look at the impact that resurrection has on our hearts, minds, bodies, souls, and the hope that we have in Christ. And I promise you this, it's going to be a joy-filled spring teaching series, and I cannot wait. But until then, friends, one more time. He is risen, and he is risen indeed, and this changes everything.